After a month-long hiatus, Wes and Steve are back. This time, they're headed to Rick's Cafe in exotic Morocco to review one of the greatest cinematic treasures of all time, Casablanca. Blame them. Play as time goes by. He's looking at you, kid. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Fix yourself a drink and let the time go by with 2016's first episode of View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, everybody. Welcome Hi, everybody. back to you the right Indiana thing. Jaws. But oh, wait a minute. It's a new year. It's a new year. It's a whole new year. So I should come up with a different hybrid movie name to troll you with each episode. Mm. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I do have I do have an Indiana, Indiana Jaws surprise what? coming for you, but that's all I'm going to do is just tease you with it. What does that even mean? Yep. There's an Indiana Jaws surprise coming. I'm just saying I've been working with someone. An Indiana Jaws surprise. Full feature link script coming your way. No, no way. No, absolutely not. See, that's something I would do just for fun. Just for kicks. Like, I'm actually writing two scripts that could probably never be made because of all the different uh, uh, studios that would have to be involved. Yeah. In letting all these characters commingle. But I'm also working on one that now as a result of recent acquisitions, could very well be made, although it would most likely only be an animated form, if mm. you know what I mean. Mm. I'm not going to say it over the microphone because yeah, I don't no. want anybody to take that idea. Tell me later. Oh, Absolutely, I'll tell you there. later. I might need your input on it. And then I'm also I'd love to give input. thinking about writing a script based on a joke from a TV show just as a gift to the person who wrote that joke. Oh, so it's not too many cooks. No, it's not too many cooks. I'd love to see a feature-length film of too many cooks. That would be deranged. Like, like put a pl- put a plot in that. And really, like, like more of a plot. Bring in the beast rebels of the hellscape and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. be cool. That'd be awesome. Um, too many cooks. <laughs> too many. <laughs> so, for the listeners, for the viewers uh, listening, you may hear some extra noise in the background today oh, yes. because they're filming. Some type of television series or movie. Yeah, there's a great big the film crew right outside the window. Yeah, so lots of big trucks and stuff. So you may hear some things. Um, I think we should just, after we finish recording, just wander on over and... Pretend we're a part of the crew. See what they let us do, you know? You might have to take that label off your t-shirt. Yeah. But other than that, maybe just give it a shot. Hey, we're two uh, <laughs> chubby dudes in our late 30s. Yeah. We're here to be in this thing, whatever, man. Yeah, it's, it's they like, wouldn't call the police. It's I like bet. young girls playing soccer. So I think we don't fit in. You're probably right. If we do, it might be a production we don't want to be a part of. We uh, we never know unless we try. Hey, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, man. They they pretty much have to give me a line and a paycheck. Mm. No, that's not how it works at all, kids. I am not in the Screen Actors Guild, but I was in a movie. Yeah, you were. I was featured in a movie. Was it Compound Fracture? Compound Fracture. I had no lines. Bum, bum. But you had a tattoo. Was it a tattoo or a scar. brand? It was, it was a, a scar. scar. It was yeah. like a branding scar. Yeah. I've been in a movie with lines, but no branding scar. You've been in a bunch of stuff. I mean, I've been in a pretty nice handful of things that I'm proud of. Yeah, like Sharknado. I was in Sharknado, that's Waking. true. Waking as well. Yeah. 
I'm currently involved with a radio drama series that uh, is apparently doing quite well for itself. Yeah. And I keep hearing new things about that. So that's oh, good. That's exciting. It's, a, it's weird. I almost feel like I'm... Like, I almost feel like it's I'm not involved with it at all because whenever I go in, it's like, you know, two hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And then we just, you know, it's voiceover. So we just hammer out so much stuff real quick. And then, you know, I'm not due back in for maybe months. And that's but, the thing that you've been doing lately? The- yeah, suspense. With, it's called uh, suspense? Yeah, with my buddy John C. Alzadek. It's like uh, radio plays of... Uh, Really classic horror stories and stuff. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. So look up Suspense from Blue Hours Productions um, because you're going to hear some great stuff. I got to play McCready from The Thing. Cool. An adaptation of The Thing called Who Goes There, which I think is the original title of the short story that The Thing is based on. Did you impersonate? I would say I put in a tinge of Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah. Just a tinge. It's hard not to. But I tried not to. But it's yeah. hard not to because yeah. I love Kurt Russell so much. He's great. He's great in that movie, especially in that movie. I mean, name a movie he's not great in. Tango and Cash. It's not a great movie, or he's not great in. I it. don't remember him in it, to be honest with you. I mean, he's Kurt Russell. He is Kurt Russell. He's great even in Sky High, and that might be like his least celebrated role. Sure. You remember that one? Yeah. I love that movie. It's superhero parents and kids, right? Yeah, and yeah. he plays the commander. Yeah. Married to Kelly Preston. <laughs> I feel like my doze is running, West. Oh, don't let your doze run. Are you seeing anything there? No, I'm not seeing anything Okay, yet. good. I'll let you know. Good, I feel better now. Hey. Yes, sir. Should we talk about a movie that we've watched specifically for this show? Or should we talk about what movies have we been to see lately? Oh, man, it's been a month and a half. It's been a month and a half. So that's a lot of movies. I can run down my list real quick. I, I think it's probably... I, I want to try and get do your list. Okay. All right. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Sure. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's, Star, that's, Star Wars The Force Awakens. You've already said it five times. I've you've, only you've seen s- it five times. So you've seen it five times. I've only seen it once. Really? Real, I'd like to go see it again. You? I don't have anyone to go with. Wes Weitzenhofer. Only seen it once. You have only seen Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. One time. One time. Yep, and I don't have anyone to go with. I'm so sad and lonely. Well, guess what? What? I haven't seen it a sixth time. Well, I mean... So know. we're going to have to knock this out. There's a theater right near my place. Super reasonable prices. Reserve seats. Big, comfy, reclining chairs. We'll do this. I, uh... We have a mutual friend, mm-hmm. Daniel, who said that we were going to maybe go see it like a week or so ago, but we didn't go. So he's a very busy man. He didn't have time for me. He's going <laughs> to come on. He's going to be on that uh, FX thing about OJ Simpson. Yeah, there. let's plug that real quick. Yeah. The uh, February 2nd American crime story, not to be confused with American crime. Correct. American, American crime, crime story, story, which is kind of like uh, it's a Ryan Murphy show. Kind of like American horror story. Yes. But it's a real a real account. It's about real crimes that actually. But every year they're going to have different different crimes. Yeah. And uh, probably bring back a lot of the same actors. Like Sarah Paulson's in it. Connie Britton's in it. Oh, yeah. Sarah Paulson um, plays uh, uh, Marsha Clark, right? Is yeah. that her name? Marsha yeah. Clark? Marsha Clark. I've heard really good things about Cuba Gooding Jr. in it. Cool. And I've heard, re- which is great because Oscar winner Cuba Gooding yeah, Jr. Yeah, but his career after the Oscar did not go as well. Um, uh, Man of Honor. 
Yeah, but that was like right after. Right that. after. He probably did that before he got the Oscar. And you gonna say, what was that? What was that Cruise movie he did? With Tom Cruise? No, no, no. Oh, oh, uh, Boat Trip. Boat Trip, yeah. Yeah, he did Boat Trip. That was the beginning of the end right there. Um, Chill Factor with Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, but what about, I really liked his role in American Gangster with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. It was a pretty small role really for small, that movie. Right? Yeah. But it was it was a very cool scene. Yeah, so I hear good things about him, which is good for him and his yeah. career, I think. And I've also heard good things about David Schwimmer. Oh, yeah? As yeah. Uh, Kardashian, Kardashian, right? Wow. Yeah, That's going to be pretty wild to see. Yeah. Like, we're going to be watching a dramatization of this real-life guy who now, in the time since he's been dead, his family has basically uh, plagued the world Absolutely. with their presence. Absolutely. Interesting. Kardashian. But I most heard, most important. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I heard a story once that um, apparently during that whole fiasco before OJ managed to get arrested, he was in Kim Kardashian's room, threatening, and Robert was in there with him. This is just a story I heard on a podcast from who knows where. So Green this is all people. allegedly, yeah, right. But that he was in Kim Kardashian's room with her in there and Robert Kardashian threatening to kill himself oj was threatening to to kill himself in front of kim wow and i'm like that's a pretty intense story i don't know if it's true it's alleged yeah but that's a pretty wild story right there yeah that's crazy but i was gonna say most importantly amongst that cast yeah is a very small part well there are no small parts but very important part yes uh actor daniel weiss actor daniel weiss our friend who are very excited to see yeah um, to see him play uh, on our TV screens. On our TV screens, you've if you've seen the tr- the trailer for American Crime Story, you've seen his back. That's true, and his camera, and his camera. He plays a cameraman. Keep yeah. an eye out. We're very very excited for him. Watch, learn, and listen. I'm excited. That's February second. That's Groundhog Day. Good old Groundhog Day. I threatened him. I said, what if what if this appearance of yours on TV becomes your Groundhog Day and you get caught in a time loop of living that this day. exact day over and over again? Just watching it over and over again? Yeah. What could go wrong? Who knows? Uh, only he'll ever know. You yeah. know what I mean? We'll all just – it'll be like one day for yeah. us. Yeah. But he'll have to, you know, uh, fill what's-his-name-his way through it over and over and over again. You know what other movie I saw? That you might have seen, but I'm not sure if you did. So What's I'll that? just say it. The Final Girls. I've seen it. I, you I, did see The Final Girls? I, I own it. You do? I own it. I have been, oh my God. I went to see it last Friday night at a midnight screening. And I have wanted to watch it again every second since it's it ended. It's the one with Tessa Farmiga, that girl? Tessa Farmiga, Vera's daughter. Yeah. And uh, Angela Trimber. Yeah, that's a friend great of yours, right? Comedian. Um, we were in uh, Improv 101 together, and we okay. were also in Freak Dance together, the movie Freak Dance, The Forbidden Dirty Boogaloo. She was, has a much bigger part. I got to play a guy sitting next to uh, Matt Walsh's character. I won't say the name of his character because it's a hilarious joke. Which character is Angela Trimber? Is she the tough girl? She's or? sassy. She's with the good guy dance crew that uh, can't read. I they mean, do a big song about how she can't read. I mean, in, in the movie. Oh, Final in Girls. Final Girls. Um, is she the tough girl that shows up in the car? or no. she, She's the girl in the bikini. 
She's the girl. Yeah, she gets into a bikini a couple times. She likes to dance. She's uh, super adorable in the she's movie. She's so funny. Yeah, she's really, really funny. She's super talented and yeah. adorable. She's one of the greatest dancers. She does uh, a series on YouTube. She hasn't... I don't remember the last one she put out, but she would she, she got some recognition for this series where um, she would just go to like a laundromat or a mall or something and just put a song on in her headphones and just start dancing like crazy in front of yeah. her camera and just sort of like dance interacting with people that came by and it... It was pretty cool. It's very fun. That's a girl who loves to dance. I think that I think the final girls. I think the whole cast. I loved it. I think the whole cast is good. I think the the um, premise is funny. Oh yeah. Um, which I don't want to say what the premise is because I actually showed it to. I knew what it was ahead of time. I showed it to Chris and Desiree without them knowing. Okay. And they were they were really glad that they didn't know what the premise of the film was. That's good to know. All um, right. And uh, it's just it's she she above all the other actors. I think. Every time she speaks, it's yeah. gold. It's Every always, single time. always funny. Yeah. But I also wanted to point out, mm. without giving too much away here, Yeah, I'm going to say this. I have a really healthy relationship with my mom, mm. but and I am not a daughter myself. Mm-hmm. I am a son. But those, like, maybe what were there, like, three, maybe only two, like, big mother-daughter moments th- throughout the movie. Yeah. Those broke my heart yeah, way you. more than i ever thought yeah. they would dude and i was just like oh my gosh this is great yeah i loved and like you know in a movie like that you just don't expect to feel that much but i did and i've wanted to feel it again ever since so you have it on dvd or blu-ray is that what you're telling I, me i actually um i purchased it on voodoo because you know i'm going Radical. all digital yeah which means i can wa- you know what do you know that i can share my voodoo account with people really yeah Whoa! Type in an email. And, All right, uh, maybe we discuss that off the air. Yeah, interesting. But then you're gonna watch stuff that I want to watch with you without me. That's what I do. No, don't do that. <laughs> so I won't be giving Steve access to my Voodoo account. Well, anyway, one of these days, very soon, we should watch the Final Girls. Yeah. And if you're out there, watch the Final Girls. It's wonderful. So I'm only gonna talk about one movie mm-hmm. that I saw. It's not Star Wars. We did talk that. I've only seen it once, but yeah. My favorite film from last year, I think. Your favorite film from last year. Yep. Um, Gem and the Holograms. Did not see Gem and the Holograms. Not <laughs> Me neither. Not planning on seeing it. If I happen to see it, fine, but I'm not planning on seeing it. Starring Sharknado's Aubrey Peoples as Gem. Cool. Don't know who that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> she played Gem. All right. She's also on uh, Nashville. I think that show's called. I have not seen that show. What was your favorite movie from 2015, Wes? The Big Short. Oh, yeah. Big Short's great. I thought it was super fantastic. It took me 15 minutes to get used to the editing of the film. It's so all over the place that it actually turned me off for like the first 10 minutes. I was like a little like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this movie. Interesting. But then once I got used to it at like about 15 minutes in... I loved it. I thought the editing was a really inspired choice. Nice. Um, I thought the performances were great. I thought the story was great. I thought the very end, like, title cards where they kind of tell you a little more, like the little epilogue. Yeah. I thought that was um, excellent, an excellent note to the, to end the film. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to say anything about the film, really, because I don't want to give anything away, but... Um, the cameos in the film I thought were fantastic. Sure. Um, I, if you haven't seen The Big Short, I think everybody should go see it. Watch it twice. I think it. Yeah, watch you it have twice. To. I think um, it's not only a really, really well-made film. It's really, really funny. Yeah. 
And especially for the horrible subject matter. Especially for the horrible subject matter. It's very, very funny. Um, and I think it's an important film. Absolutely. Especially because history repeats itself. Yep. So. And, you know, here we are uh, eight-ish years later, and it's literally about to happen all over again if we're not careful. Exactly. It's like the same kind of crap is going down. I'm looking to move. Yeah. And uh, I, got a, I got a phone call from some somebody who was like, we want to get you into a house. Don't worry if your credit's not good or oh, whatever. Oh, be I careful. Like, I was like, mm, sorry, sir. Yeah, be careful, man. Got off the phone with that guy. I've gotten, uh, you know, I've gotten chided because, you know, here I am. I've been in L.A. for a few years and I'm still renting. And people are like, oh, why aren't you, why aren't you like owning a home and building an equity and blah, blah, blah. And part of me is like, well, yeah, like that sounds pretty awesome. But at the same time, like I'm not really making all that much that I could safely afford yeah. my own home. Plus, you know, property tax, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And now after seeing the big short, I'm kind of like, I'm feeling all right with where I'm at. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And I'm glad I didn't get duped into, what do they call those things? Those subprime mortgages. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Or whoever you believe in, dear Vuster. Sure. So, yeah, okay, so that's uh, some movies we've seen. We've talked movies. We've talked life. Kind of. We've talked Disneyland. No, that was in the pre. Oh, that was in the pre-ambles. <laughs> well, I guess they get a little peek behind the curtain. All right. So, so okay, we'll give a peek behind the curtain. Well, so Vuster, surprise, every... surprise, we're planning a trip to Disneyland. So we... Every time we record, we have a little bit of preamble ahead of time. Yeah, where we di- where we say hi to Dwayne. Make sure our microphones are warmed up. Yep, and uh, and we just happen to choose to talk about our tri- our impending trip to Disneyland. Yeah, so. Dwayne's loving this. Dwayne's loving. Well, he's probably not even listening anymore. Oh, I don't know. If Dwayne actually listens. To- yeah, he listens to the podcast. He Dwayne's Dwayne's the best. He is. Can I say that? Because. I could not put together the kind of intros that he does for us. Yeah. He puts together wonderful stuff. He's talented. He's got a great voice. He kicks off our show with a Dwayne bang. A Dwayne bang. That sounds... Sounds vulgar. Vulgar. But it's actually just exciting. Okay. So, so we're going to have some changes to the podcast. This is true. We haven't really discussed that yet, have we? We discussed it in the preamble, but we we discussed discussed it on the thing. Preamble. Yeah. So. We the people of View the Right Thing <laughs> in order to form a more perfect podcast. So hereby, yeah. I posted this on Facebook, maybe Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, we're going to do only one movie per episode. Yes. And I know viewers are like, oh. Hey. Less less movies. That's not true. Not less movies. Not it's actually the same amount of movies because what we're going to do is we're going to do every single week an episode is going to come out. So we'll still have the same amount of episodes or same amount of movies, just more episodes. However, Mr. Steve here um, is super busy. There's going to be a little less Steve. So No, this, I mean, they're still going to get Steve every other week. Right. I mean, technically. At least every other week. Less Steve airtime. but Possibly less Steve airtime. Probably, probably, probably less Steve airtime. But um, every other week, you'll still, you'll still be on the podcast. You're still my co-host. You're still my guy. Woohoo! Um, and, uh, and then we're going to do some guests. Yeah, guest hosts. Um, or we're gonna we're gonna try out some some people, and you never know, maybe one will stick. But for now, the plan is to uh, is to just bring in different people on different yeah. weeks. So, can I throw a challenge out to the viewsters right now? Yes. If you know someone 
of note that you think would make a great guest host on View the Right Thing. Yep. Start pulling some strings to get them involved and get them interested and maybe want to join us to talk about a movie or two. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. Especially if they're in the L.A. area. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it'd be hard if they were somewhere else. If they're somewhere else. I think I don't think could the, be a lot trickier. I don't think the phone in stuff works as well. The phone in stuff. Yeah, when you hear phone in stu- interviews on podcasts. Oh yeah, it always sounds like not great. I don't know. I always have I'm a hard time. To think if I've ever, I guess I've heard some. I always, have, I feel like I always have a hard time hearing. Yeah, and understanding the people. Sure. So you know, preferably they are in this area. Yeah. Um. Oh, I, there is something else we can talk about. Yeah. Um, there's an event I do every year. And this year, it's going to be more of a a View the Right Thing sponsored event. Oh. Um, April 30th is International Tabletop Day. Tabletop Day. And we do this event um, to support pancreatic cancer research. Heck yeah. With the Lust Garden Foundation. the Lust Garden Foundation. That's correct. And uh, Steve has participated in the past. I have. Man, you were here. Were you here the whole time last year? No. No. I think last year was the first time I couldn't be. I think I did two... Full times. Full times, and one couldn't be there Because the you, you had to shoot the next day or that yeah. night or something. I don't even remember. Time's a flat yeah. circle, Wes. Yeah, sure. So uh, so we'll be doing more information about Tabletop Day and how people can participate and uh, maybe play with us. But um, because Tabletop Day is happening, um, I believe it looks like we're going to have a special visitor flying into town whoa for tabletop day flying into town and i'm going to try and finagle that person onto the podcast as a guest host that around then am i allowed to know who it is i can tell you off off mic oh okay all right but i don't think you know this person so so oh okay well i'm i'm pre-excited so yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping uh, this person is probably listening to this episode right Whoa, now cool. and has no idea I'm going to try and or had no idea that I was try to gonna try and get them onto the podcast. But wrangle I, he or she, he or she, he or she. Whoa, is uh, has you know has a pretty great little you know blog that he or she does. All right, I'm I'm a fan. Okay. Always been a fan of this person. Huh. For the entire uh, 14 years that I've known this person. Wowzers. Yep. Who so, could it be? Pretty exciting. Who can it be now? It might be, more, it might be 13 years. I'm not sure. Who can it be now? So should we talk about our... Oh, so, uh, one other thing. So along with this yeah. change... Um, there are going to be some additional buckets probably made. Additional buckets? Yeah. We still have so many movies in the first bucket. Yeah, but what happens when I draw Hodorowsky's Dune for the guest host? No, that will have to be for me. Well, so that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to make new buckets for that have things that don't relate to this bucket. Okay. In it. So I've already talked to one guest host that has agreed, um, and that person is um, already working on films that they have not seen. Groovy. So, um, so there will probably be some additional guest buckets. All right. Yeah, pretty exciting. Wow, so many buckets. So many. In case this is your first episode of View the Right Thing, at the end of this very episode, we are going to draw two movie titles from no, a bucket. We what? won't be drawing two movie titles. Why wouldn't we? Because we're going to only we're going to do one movie every week, which means we're going to draw a movie every week. I so. still think we should draw both. No. So Steve won't even know what he's going to watch next. Whoa. So 
Um, so this this time we'll draw for the next guest. So we'll just draw one out of this one. All right. Um, if it's Hodorowski's Dune, it will go back into the bucket. It will not be saved for two weeks from now. It will go back back into the bucket. I think it should. Nope. It will go back into the bucket. And <laughs> I think it should be saved <coughs> for my um, next show because I'm about to purchase it. Okay. And uh, just so I have it already. And so we'll draw for the next episode. So everybody okay. will have one week to watch the next film. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. I'm a little worried that it's going to be one of your movies. Um, I don't know what to tell you. We could we could not draw this week. And, uh, no, and, let's just and I could just it, post man. it on Facebook or Twitter. Just roll the dice. Just roll those dice, baby. All right. I reserve the right to... Throw it back in if it's a movie I really wanted you to see. Fair enough. I reserve the right to throw it back in and draw a new one. Fair enough. Normally I wouldn't do that, but because I believe that the bucket holds our destiny. But I, I don't know if I believe that necessarily. I do know there have been some pretty wild coincidences coming I, out of that I, bucket. Absolutely. I don't know that it holds our destiny. It holds our, our movie podcast destiny. Well, a little bit of that, sure. Should we talk about White House Down? Yeah, let's talk about White House Down. That's not what it is. What are you talking about? Casablanca? Yeah, doesn't that mean White House? Not down. I thought you told me to watch White House down. First of all, they know. They know that we don't watch these movies separately. We watch them together. Yeah, I guess they know that. They know that. Come on. Come well, anyway, on. I've seen White House down. I have too. I was not that big of a fan of it, but I will watch the new one, London is Falling. London is falling. Yeah, isn't that the sequel to White House Down? There's I, two White I House. I haven't movies. heard about this at all. There was White House Down, and there was Olympus. Olympus is has falling. fallen. So now London has fallen. The sequel to that. Oh, both those movies I didn't like, by the way, very much. They should have called Olympus has fallen. Uh, everybody gets stabbed in the head at one point. Right. It's it's, it's rough. You haven't seen the trailer for Lon- for London has fallen, huh? I have not seen that. All right, probably because I've only seen one movie five times over the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's what I do. Let's Ca- talk about Casablanca. Casablanca. So, this is a pretty important film to uh, film history. I would say so. It's uh, It was voted number three one time uh, for AFI, and I think it was f- number four Wow. An- the other time that AFI. So, it's, it's stayed up pretty high up. Pretty Top high five up indeed. Casablanca. For the AFI list. I think Premiere also rated it as the number three film of all time. So people revere this film sure i mean if you watch any warner brothers movie just about you hear that familiar as time goes by right on the piano here's looking the at logo you, comes kid. up so it's Play it a, again sam it's a pretty important film to warner brothers i would say so i feel like um i mean you know i grew up in the 80s and 90s and i feel like there were still constantly casablanca references all throughout my my pop culture you know Childhood and adolescence. Do you remember the cartoon Shirt Tales? I remember Shirt Tales. Remember the orangutan? He was uh, he was he he spoke with uh, Humphrey Bogart lilt, and he uh, called the panda kid all the time. That's true. Here's looking at you, panda kid. Which makes me think that the panda and the orangutan maybe were an item. Oh, maybe. Man, I haven't. I definitely haven't seen it that recently to to be able to pick up on that subtle nuance. Nor have I. Nor should a panda and an orangutan ever be an item. Right. 
So in uh, in 1938, uh, Murray and Adrian Burnett were traveling through Europe. Oh. And they stopped at this little club that overlooked the Mediterranean in the south of France. Oh, yeah. They saw a black pianist um, right. entertaining not just French people, but also um, Germans and refugees as well. Cool. And they kind of thought that the setting would be great for a play. So they wrote a play called Everybody Comes to Rick's. Nice. Um, which was, I think, the working title for this for at first. That's what I've always heard. For, for a while. Yeah. Um, the plot's pretty similar uh, to the film. All right. Um, there's a lot of moments that are still in it from the play. Uh, 1941... Pearl Harbor is attacked. Ooh. Um, and then later that that same month in December, Warner Brothers bought the rights to the story because there was this big, like, pro-America, pro-war, you know, f- film propaganda stuff going on. So sure. they bought the story rights for $20,000. Not bad. Not bad for back then. Um, so, like I said, there's a, there's a bunch of, you know, pieces from the original play that made it into the film. So... Um, you know the guy who's trying to buy the club Ferrari. Yeah, um, trying to buy the club is in the is in the play. All, um, right. all the people singing uh, together. All right, in the in the was in the play, and also the line, um, "What a fool I am to uh, talking to a beautiful woman about another man." That was a line that uh, Louis has. Okay, when he's speaking to uh, Ilsa. Right about. Why uh, can't I remember who Lazlo. Louis is? Louis the the French. Uh, the French police. Oh, okay. Louis Renault. Louis Renault. That's why I kept only thinking of him by his last name. Well, think about that last line of the film. Uh, I'll see you in hell, Rick. Yep. I'm a French officer. That's the one. Well, we'll get to it at the end. Um, <clears throat> so they hired this director, uh, Michael Curtis. He directed one of my favorite films of that era. Oh, yeah? The Adventures of Robin Hood. Is that the one with... Uh, Errol, Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, where he has that battle on the little the little bridge with uh, little John, little John, and they knock oh, each other in the water. Good old little John. Um, he also directed that same year as uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood was released. He uh, directed this film called Angels with Dirty Faces. Uh oh, which we saw a parody of right in, in home alone, home alone. this kid's home alone angels with filthy souls he's a home alone kid home alone <coughs> um okay Andrew, angels with dirty faces is the real movie is the real film okay yeah this is a gangster film on january 5th so they bought the rights in december right at the end of december the 20 something of december on January 5th, the studio told The Hollywood Reporter that Anne Sheridan, Dennis Morgan, and Ronald Reagan would star in this film. Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan. However, on February 14th, the head of casting sent out a memo that said that um, Humphrey Bogart was cast in it. Thank goodness. Um, and then a few days later, the female lead's name was changed from Lois to Ilsa. So oh. um, in the play, her name is Lois. And so then Anne Sheridan wouldn't fit for the role. So um, they wanted Ingrid Bergman to star. She was this... Uh, I'm okay with that. ...young Swedish ingenue. Yeah. And uh, she was in Hollywood from Sweden doing a film for MGM, doing a film for David O. Selznick. Oh. And um, David O. Selznick wanted 
her for a different movie um, called For Whom the Bells Toll. Nice. Um, so they, in order to get Oselznik to let Warner Brothers have the film, have, her, have the girl for the film, for Casablanca, they had to make a trade. Uh-oh. So Warner Brothers traded Olivia de Havilland for eight weeks to play the part um, Oselznik wanted Bergman for. So um, so they could have Bergman for Casablanca. But it turns out that the day after they wrapped yeah. Casablanca, Oselznik hired her on to play Maria in For Him the Bell Stole. So she was still in that movie in the end anyways. All right. That was the movie that inspired the Metallica song, For Whom the Bell Tolls, right? Uh, Time marches on, for whom the bell tolls. I would have thought, the, isn't that a book? Isn't it a book? I would have thought a book. Probably. Heck, I don't know. So Casablanca would go on to be nominated for eight Academy Awards, and it would go on to win three of them. Wow. Best Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture. Now, Pretty went, cool. I read a lot of um, a lot of information on this uh, about how a lot of the actors and studio people didn't think this movie was very good when it was being made. Really? Um, they The actors kind of thought it was fluff, I believe. Uh, Ingrid Bergman maybe referred to it as fluff. Fluff. Um, it is a fluff picture. I am Norwegian with a French accent. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so there wasn't a lot of faith in it and, um, the, the movie ended up making Humphrey Bogart a, a romantic lead. I would say so. Um, you know, prior to this, I think he was playing kind of hard boiled, hard, hard nosed characters. And yeah. Cause this was, uh, after Maltese Falcon, right? Yes. Falcon. I should have said. Falcon. Maltese, Maltese Falcon. Falcon. See? So let's begin the story of Casablanca. Do you want to? Get us started? I guess so. Let me see what my notes say here. Sure. Well, the movie opens with a very beautiful piece of music, and at this point in the movie, Wes told me that he has a Jack Warner story that he wants to tell. Did you tell that already? No, well, we saw Jack Warner's name on screen, and I said, I have a Jack Warner story that relates to this film. Um, I guess it relates to the... the, Academy Award mm. thing I just talked about. You know, it won Best Picture. Right. Let me pull up a name real quick because I want to get the name right. All right, you look that up, and I'll get us into uh, the fact that the movie opens. There's a great big map of Africa mm-hmm. on the screen. And up there, and I would guess it's pretty much like the northwestern corner of mm. Africa. We see Morocco, and there... Next to a little dot near Morocco, we can see Casablanca. I remembered the name. And we hear the news. Which name? Hal B. Wallace. Hal B. Wallace. Produced the film. All right. Jack Warner was the executive producer. Okay. When the film won Best Picture, Jack Warner ran up on stage ahead of Hal Wallace. And it upset Hal Wallace. And now Hal Wallace was considered to be like he was referred to as the wunderkind of, of Hollywood. Like he was... The thing that was going to make Warner Brothers a lot of money. He was right. he was the cash cow. And he was so upset that uh, Warner went up ahead of him and accepted the award before him. Uh-oh. That he stopped speaking to Warner. Wow. And n- didn't make anything for them again. He left Did Warner he Brothers. Anything again? He went, stuff, he went and made stuff for other studios. Like what? Well... That's a really great question. I'll I mean, hopefully here. it's stuff that's really good so that 
sure know, so that he got his proper revenge yeah i mean i'm i'm you know looking at stuff here uh true grit oh all right i mean he did he did a bunch of uh elvis stuff he did a bunch of um he went he interestingly went and did stuff a bunch of things for mgm all right um let's see here rooster cogburn okay you know all those like Elvis like fun in Acapulco, sure. Paradise Hawaiian style, girls, 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 stuff like that. Uh, Blue like Hawaii, Hockey. GI Blues. All right. Um, but then he did a bunch of westerns too. Last Train from Gun Hill. Gun Hill. One of my favorite, uh, my probably my second favorite Wyatt Earp film, Gunfight at the OK Corral. All right. Um, I, I'm a big fan of that. What's one. your first favorite Wyatt Earp? Wyatt Earp with uh, Kevin Costner. Not Tombstone. No, I don't like Tombstone. Tombstone's silly. I don't like I don't like a. It's silly. a little silly, but it's still a total blast of a movie. Val Kilmer's really fun. Yeah, uh, he he has great lines in the film. Sure, um, but Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday, yeah. I believe that guy has tuberculosis in that film. Like, Interesting. Like the performance is just. I think the performances are much better in Wyatt Earp. It's a it's a closer to true telling of the story. That makes a lot of it's sense. A, it's an epic western. Still, I feel like if you're going to do a, Dana Delaney. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Dan Delaney's good and all, um, but Wyatt Earp, yeah, has. Let me tell you here. Eighteen let me stars go through some. out of five. Joanna Going. All right, from Phantoms. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara, who you right. recently. Isabella Rossellini in her prime. <sighs> okay, I don't. I don't see why you had to add that little uh, button on the end of it yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> in her prime, in in her prime, Isabella Rossellini was, uh, you know, I mean, she's she's Isabella she's Rossellini, a seductress, Annabeth Gish, all right, very beautiful. Um, there's a few others in here, all right, but I mean, it has so like that's your favorite Wyatt Earp movie, yeah. I mean, Gene Hackman and Dennis Quaid and Kevin Costner and some Baldwin's and. Michael oh, Madsen. A couple of Baldwins. Bill Pullman. Tom Sizemore. Tombstone has Bill Paxton. That's true. It's a battle of the Bills. That's true. But it's, we... <laughs> it's funny. We got way off <laughs> we of got Casablanca. So far off. But anyways. Back to uh, Casablanca. Anyways, uh, Hal Willis did a, a bunch of, you know, really great classic films that uh, um, made MGM a lot of money. Cool. Good old MGM. So go back to Casablanca. And Casablanca. We're going to Africa. All right. The movie opens with a picture of Africa. We see Casablanca on a map within the borders of Morocco. Yeah. Up there in the northwestern uh, corner of the continent. Mm-hmm. We hear a, uh, we hear a, uh, well, we see also, uh, I guess, would he be like a, a telegraph uh, operator or just kind of a radio announcer? There's a guy in kind of a military outfit speaking into a microphone. I got the feeling he was a telegraph guy, but he might have been a radio guy. Yeah. He talks about a murderer probably being involved in a murder that took place on a train from Iran. Mm. All right? As he's telling this story about, um, if I'm not mistaken, basically they found dead bodies on a train from Iran. So they're assuming there's a murderer on that very train. Sure. Nazis arrive in the town of Casablanca. Via plane. Via plane. They so arrive at the airport. Via train. They arrive at the airport. Airport. Airport near plane. here. Van Nuys Airport. Oh, they shot that at the Van Nuys Airport? Mm-hmm. That's cool. They uh, they built a hangar for those scenes. Yeah. And um, for some of those scenes, not the nighttime scenes. We'll get to that in a little bit. All right. Um, and they didn't demolish that 
hangar until I think 2007. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was there a long time. Why demolish it at all at that point, you know? Yeah, they probably needed it to build runways or something. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Oh, the Nazis arrive and they are instantly welcomed by the uh, French police. That because uh, basically uh, Casablanca is essentially French soil, if not all of Morocco. It's, un- it's unoccupied French territory. Unoccupied French territory. So the police there are French police. They're essentially uh, acting on the behalf of the French. Yeah. So there's a France's government. A diplomatic kerfuffle. There's uh, there's he's also greeted by um, an Italian ambassador as well which italian ambassador uh do you remember there's um there's an italian guy there an italian officer there and he keeps having a conversation with a, another french officer and there's even a, com- a a comment that the french officer is talking non-stop and they were like if he ever gets into if he ever gets a word in yeah it'll be a victory for italy <laughs> that's good that's real good these guys all these different police and these nazis they're all walking together and uh, I believe it's uh, Officer Captain Renault at the time, right? Yeah. Says to the Nazi uh, leader, uh, what's his name? Rossa? Schlossa? Strasse. Strasse. Says, uh, you know, if that murderer has arrived here in Casablanca, you're going to find him tonight at Rick's. Yeah. And uh, the Strasse says, how could you possibly know that? And Renault says. Everybody. Everybody comes to Rick's. Yeah. And they are speaking, of course, of Rick Blaine, the character played by Humphrey Bogart, and his cafe, Rick's Cafe American, yep. spelled A-I-N, which always and, struck me funny. And Renault says something in that scene uh, that he says a few times in the film, and uh, he tells his men to round up the usual suspects. Yes, round up the usual suspects. Interesting way to enforce the law in Casablanca, and and this is this is the first time we see the uh, Italian guy, uh, the Italian officer, and he multiple times tries to get the attention of Strassa, yeah. and Strassa completely brushes him off. It's sort of this like how hard Italy is trying to impress Germany to be their pet, yeah, you know? and the, they just get brushed off. It's a sick time. We should remind you, you know, this is. I mean, essentially, World War II is going on. America just hasn't gotten involved yet. It's 1941. Yeah. In the film. So has America gotten involved, or is this pre-Pearl Harbor still? Pre-Pearl Harbor. Okay, so America's just about to get involved. Yeah. Thanks to the tragedy at Pearl Harbor. It's it's about... It's it's 11 months, uh, probably before... I think it's January of 1941, maybe. Or maybe it's June. I can't remember. One we, of the J months. The only hint we really get of when this takes place is a little, just a little bit later in. Um, we're going to see Rick get uh, a a tab to sign off on, a receipt to sign off on. All right. And on the receipt, it tells us when it is. Oh. So, uh, so we Good know it's eye. 1941. I did not notice that. I have to cough really hard. Oh no, he's doing it again, you guys. Only when you know when we're watching a movie, he doesn't cough at all. It's true. It's, it's only just when, when there's a microphone. microphone recording him. Uh, we go to Rick's that very evening, right? We yeah. see Rick's Cafe American. We meet uh, Rick. You know, we meet. We see Yvonne. Good old Humphrey Bogart. We see Yvonne yeah, drinking very angrily at the bar with uh, Sasha. Yvonne. Sasha or Sebastian? Sasha was the bartender. Sasha, guy. Yeah, yes. I, li- I liked him a lot. He's funny. Um, just the look. He just. It's pretty clear that Rick knows that Sasha wouldn't mind 
taking Yvonne home and sticking yeah. around for a little while. We also meet Carl. We meet Carl. Which one's Carl? Oh, Carl's the older waiter he's, guy. He's the maitre d', yep. The maitre d'. We meet uh, Peter Laurie's character, whose name I cannot pronounce at Ugate. all. Ugate. Ugate. I was about to say Ungati, with an N in there and then a T at the end. I think probably they, they say it a few different ways, but I believe it's Ugate. Ugate. All right. Played by Peter Laurie, who was also uh, in uh, the good old Maltese Falcon with Bogey there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as yet another guy that Bogey kind of slaps around a bit. Yep. You're talking about meeting Rick now, right? Yeah. What's the first thing we see with Rick? I feel like the first thing we see, is it him taking Yvonne out, or is it him meeting with uh, Ugata? He's sitting down, um, and he's he's actually brought out of the room that he's in, but he's sitting at a chessboard. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which is indicative of a, cu- of a couple of things. Well, there's a couple of things around here. Um, All right. One is he's he's been playing a chess match with... Um, as sort of as a rebel his entire life, yeah. it seems. We we get told that he ran guns for Ethiopia for the rebels. Right. Um, he also smuggled some things into Spain for the rebels. Well, he so, even, it even said that he fought on the on the side of uh, the Spanish rebellion right. the, on the rebel side. So he's he's sort of playing this chess match on behalf of the of the rebels this entire his entire life. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. Also, there's an interesting story with the with the chessboard. Let me hear it. So the chess game, when you see the the chessboard, yeah, it's a real match that's being played. Oh yeah, a real chess match. Um, so the story goes that um, there was a photo of Humphrey Bogart and the chessboard. It was found in a shop um, that dealt with historic documents, hmm. and along with the photo was a letter from Humphrey Bogart to a friend. Over the course of filming the movie, Bogart was was actually playing this game over the mail with a friend in New York. So, I've heard of such things. Yeah, so I, I just thought that was kind of a neat little um, factoid That's pretty about cool. the chessboard. That was Humphrey Bogart's idea to have Rick be playing chess in the film to feature a chessboard. You know, this, like again, like we talked about, he's sort of in this, yeah. this game. He's using all these pieces and shifting all these things around. Yep. Casablanca chess. I heard that if uh, you have that chessboard, uh, you're pretty cool. Yeah. So if you know somebody that has that chessboard, uh, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is this when he throws uh, Yvonne out, or is this when he meets Peter Laurie as Ugate? Well, I feel like he meets um, Laurie first. Right? He meets Laurie first. We also see that Captain Renault shows up. Yeah. Um, and people talk to him patrons and stuff and they're saying hey you know rick have rick come out and have a drink with us and he's like no rick never drinks with his patrons right um and we see that renault is very familiar with the the cafe he spends a lot of time in there he's here a lot it's safe to say um i think i think rick meets with ugate first i believe so yes yeah uh ugate played by the Adorably bug-eyed Peter Laurie is telling Rick that he's got letters. Uh, what would you call them? Letters of transport. Letters, letters of, of transport. Letters of transport signed by. Is it the king of France? No, France didn't have a king at that time. But they're basically signed by a French government official. Yeah. So high up that they basically can. These letters cannot be denied at all. Yeah. So anybody walking around with one of these letters and the Nazis come by and say, show me your papers, they have to let that guy just go about his way because that's how powerful these letters are. And they're totally blank. They're simply signed 
You can put any name in there. Yeah, you can put any names in there saying this person is going to that place with this other person and you have to let them go. Yeah. So let's talk about – they never really addressed that in the film. So for people that don't you know – You don't think so? I don't think they really – they never like explicitly say that essentially Casablanca is this safe harbor for people. So there's refugees coming out of France right. fleeing their homes um, because they're being taken over and bombed. And um, these refugees come – from uh, not just there, we but come from, from France, but from like Poland and uh, um, where does the one woman say she's from? Bulgaria, not Bulgaria, right? Bulgaria, Bulgaria. yeah, that young, uh, the young uh, Latina from Bulgaria. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so people are escaping their countries and they're coming to this sort of um, this neutral zone, right? And but. They're getting stuck there. Right. And it's very, very difficult to get papers that say they can leave um, this French territory. Um, and so people, when we first go through the cafe, we see a lot of people trying to do dealings. So right. like, I'll sell you this. I'm going to need this money for when I get to America. Or right. I'll sell you this. Or I'll do whatever I need to do to get on your boat. There's a guy like kind of um, planning a clandestine uh, map. He's mapping out for this guy how to get to a boat. You have to be there at this time, and you need to bring twenty thousand francs. Twenty thousand in cash. It has to be. He tells him it has to be in cash. So we get little bits and pieces of that as we go along. Um, one of when they ask for Rick to come by, one of the guys says, "Well, tell him that I'm I'm the manager of the second largest bank in Switzerland." <laughs> and uh, Carl, or no, not Carl. Um, Renault says, uh, I think it's Renault says, um, no, Carl's there. And Carl says that won't impress him because the, I think the, the manager of the first largest bank in Switzerland is our pastry chef (laughs) in the kitchen. Um, so everybody is stuck there. Um, how, how powerful they might think they are. Everybody's kind of stuck there. Sad, but they all seem to be spending plenty of money on booze yeah. and gambling. So, so you're talking about Lor- uh, Peter Laurie's character Ugate shows up. Now, when he shows up, yeah, you remember Rick was Rick was playing his game, right? And, and a, somebody opens the door and says, "This guy wants to come in." Yeah, and Rick says no, and the guy tries to push him out, and the guy's like, "Hey, I'm rich and powerful. Don't you know who I am?" And so Rick gets up and is like, "What's the deal?" And he's like, "You know, I'm so and so, and I'm super rich and powerful." And he's like, "I don't care who you know." You're not welcome. You can your money's good at the bar. Right. You're not able to come into the cafe part, um, which is where they do their like gambling. And oh stuff. yeah, um, and that's when and that's when Ugate just walks in to, with just a nod to Rick. Right. Um, Ugate is is very welcome in there for some reason, as he should be, because here he is having these pretty much uh, all powerful letters that can get anybody to anywhere, mm-hmm. and he explains to Rick, "I want you to hide them for me because." I feel like uh, – what does he say? He says, I feel like you detest me and that lets me know I can trust you or yes. something close yep. to that. So uh, Rick agrees to hide these letters and where does he hide them? He, so he goes out <clears> – sorry. He goes out into the the main area, the main cafe area where um, – Sham. Sam. Sham played is by playing Dooley again, Wilson. Sham. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is playing the piano and so he goes up and – there's a spotlight on Sam. It's very dark in the room. And when the spotlight switches over to the band, he carefully slips the notes into the top of the piano. Pretty, uh, pretty sneaky. 
Pretty sneaky. Pretty sneaky indeed. So now the letters are hidden safely in Rick's Café American. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this when Ferrari comes in and uh, makes his, one of his offers makes to an buy? Offer. Uh, yeah, it's, it's around this area. Somewhere around here. And then we meet, uh, well, Rick and Yvonne have a little bit of a run-in. Yeah, so let's, let's just say what Yvonne. happened with Ferrari. Ferrari offers to buy Sam. And, uh, oh, I thought he offered to buy the whole place. He offered to buy just Sam? He offers to buy just Sam. And Let's say hire Sam. Not, well, he, uh, I believe Rick tells him that he's not in the business of selling people. Right. Um, which is... You uh, want that in a hero. Yeah. You want a hero that doesn't want to sell people. Yeah. Uh, and then we do have the Yvonne situation at the bar. And clearly she's in love with Rick and she kind of gripes about i can't believe i fell for you yeah um he grabs her by the arm and escorts her outside and uh and tells sasha get her home yeah safely and then as a like side note come right back yeah don't stay and come right back sasha this is one thing that tripped me up a little bit about this particular scene in the movie yeah sasha is the bartender in what is clearly the most happening place in town yeah at night, and I feel like Rick probably had several other people that he could have told to go stand and get her a cab yeah. rather than the bartender on a very busy night. He didn't get her a cab. He literally took her home. I thought he hailed her a taxi. No, which is why he... to him out there hailing no. a taxi and then he goes with her in the taxi? I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Oh, yeah, but he's going with her all the way to her house. Right. Yeah. In a I... taxi. But why have your bartender do that? You send a bouncer for that sort I think, of gig. I think, well, I mean, one, he's got Carl to serve drinks in the bar. I think I guess. the other thing is because we don't really meet very many of these other people, we learn that, that there are a couple people that Rick trusts more than anyone. Carl and Sasha are two of them. So if you're going to entrust somebody to take this girl back, do your orders, get her there, right. come right back. Don't take advantage of her because she's right. cl- clearly drunk. She's had, she's definitely had enough Sasha's cut her cut her off because rick told her told him to yeah um you probably send somebody like we see a similar situation happen later in the film where he tells carl to take ilsa home right um so clearly it's you know he trusts these people fair enough that's my answer to you i don't know i still would have made the mater d go out Rather than Carl? the bartender. Yeah. No, Carl's the one like going to all the tables and keeping people happy and giving them drinks. Still, keep the bartender behind the bar. Yeah, maybe. Send the old chubby, funny Mater D to take the girl. I mean, how long of a cab ride could it be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Where the heck are we? So, yes, Rick uh, has uh, has Yvonne removed by way of taxi and, yeah. and Sasha's uh, chaperoning. And he goes back into the bar. Um. Does he sit down with Renault outside for a moment before he goes in? Because that sounds familiar. Yeah, and there, Renault is waiting for Strasse to show up. Ugh. Right, Strasse. Um, yes, you're absolutely right. And Strasse arrives and says, "We're going to be looking for this man, Laszlo. Yeah, and we are going to probably arrest him or something. Yeah, and and we're starting to learn to like as as Rick learns what Strasse wants to do and um, that it's impending that the Germans are going to probably take over. It's, it's coming, which is why Renault is kind of bending over backwards for the Germans. Yep. Um, Rick 
makes it pretty clear that he just wants to be neutral. He he doesn't want to have anything to do with any sides. He just wants to run his bar and not get involved. Right. Run um, his bar, keep his back room dealings going just fine. Right. And stay out of the politics. Yes. The politics of ooh feeling good. <laughs> okay. Um Gosh, Laszlo and Ilsa arrive at the bar pretty shortly after this, right? Yeah. Night number one, and then here they are already. Yeah. Now, um, I want to, I guess I should have, just before you said that they arrived. Um, well, Strassa arrives before they do. Well, sure he does. And he um, says, yeah, this he meets guy with Rick. is coming and I'm going to arrest him. And he meets with Rick. Yeah. Um, and Rick is like, I, you know, I don't want anything to do with it. And, and tells him about Laszlo and that Laszlo is this freedom fighter who is gives speeches and writes books and um, distributes propaganda yep. against basically um, knows all the, all the resistance leaders all throughout the world that are standing up to the Nazis. And now this might be a good point to point out a point to point out a good time to point out that um, Strasse is sort of here as a precursor to um, it's still going to be French. Yeah. The Casablanca. But it will be Vichy controlled, which is uh, a region of France. Yeah, and which is occupied by Germans and ta- has been taken over. So right. Um, so even though it will be still be um, sort of overseen by as Vichy control, uh, it will be German occupied. Right. It's essentially the French police force will still be in power there, but they answer to the Nazis. Yeah, they answer to those damn Nazis. No good nicks is what they are. Yeah, and again, this kind of comes up with with Rick, and he's like, "I'm just just want to do my bar thing." Yup, just wants to run Rick's Cafe American. What do we got here? Oh, all right. So Laszlo and Elsa, Ilsa, Laszlo and Ilsa, who is Ingrid Bergman's character, mm-hmm. they arrive at Rick's Cafe American, and Ilsa recognizes somebody. Yep, pretty quickly as as they walk by the piano. Well, it's interesting because she kind of doesn't look at him too much when she walks by the piano, but but Sam definitely recognizes Ilsa. Yeah. He can't take his eyes off her. Oh, boy. But by the time they sit down, uh, Ilsa and Laszlo at their reserve table, she sees Sam and is staring at him and sort of asks about him um, and learns that his name is Sam. Um, they learn – it's interesting. They learn – that his name is Sam, and that they're the place is owned by a guy named Rick. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't quite. Um, it doesn't seem like she registers it. You don't think? It's weird to I me. I feel like she registers it pretty quick, or maybe she just because she then very quickly asks for Sam to come sit by her table. Yeah, and play as time goes by. Yeah. Sam says, "I'm never supposed to play that song again." Yeah, and she says. Play it again, Sam. No, she does not. Play it again, yeah, she does Sam. Say, well, yeah, that's not the exact quote. Everybody says that's the quote from the movie, but that's not what she says. She says, uh, "What she say?" She just says, she like, says "Play it." Play as time goes by. She says, "Play it, Sam." Play as time goes by. Yeah, um, yeah. No one says, "Play it again, Sam." Ever At in the any film. point in the film, um, it's been. Uh, you know, said over and over and over again and all those cartoons and things that TV shows and movies yeah. that have sort of lampooned that um, 
where they always say play it again sam and no one in the film says play it again sam um she says um play it sam play as time goes by and later um rick tells sam to play as time goes by and he says you played it for her you can play it for me if she can take it i can take it oh so one of the most misheard lines in movie history or most most misrepeated lines in movie history is just a kiss a sigh is just a sigh i'm out of lyrics it's nice thank you so i was holding back max steiner um wrote the score for this film cool and he did not lovely he did not want as time goes by what Uh, you know it's an established song already so he did not want that song in the film um he said it, he didn't think it was right for the story, but in reality, what he really wanted to do was write an original song so uh, he would get the royalties for it. Um, however, by the time they were writing the score for it, it was July. So they started filming this in like February. All right. Or, or, yeah, late February. Um, by July, filming was long over. So it was all in there. Everybody well, talking about it and whatnot. The tricky thing was because Ingrid Bergman signed on to do the Oselznik movie right at the day after yeah. she had to cut her hair so they couldn't go back and do reshoots. So, so they had to stick with As Time Goes By. Song. And now, now, how iconic is that song to Warner Brothers? I mean, it's just like so, so important. Extremely iconic. Could you Isn't ima- there even like a thing, uh, you know, now when you go see a Warner Brothers movie sometimes. Yeah, you get to hear the... the you get the bling, the bling, 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 yeah. bling, 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 and then it kind of turns yeah. into something else. Yep. So, could you imagine a different song? In no. In that spot, right? I, I mean, can't. this is a movie that was, you know... I mean, I mean, at the beginning of a Warner Brothers years logo, older even. than both of us. But like, it's been part of our lives forever. Yeah, well, in like, just the Warner Brothers logo, that thing that you're talking about where they yeah. do the little... Could you even imagine a different thing there? I can't. No. It's crazy. I just hear that sort of, that little bite of in, as time goes by, and then, yep. what's it do? It kind of goes, right? Yeah. Something like that. As time goes by, Wes. Could I uh, talk a little bit more about Sam? Absolutely. So, Sam was almost changed to a female role. No way. And they considered Lena Horne and Ella Fitzgerald among people oh. to uh, to play Sam. Um, now, Dooley Wilson was hired, and he was a drummer in real life. Oh, yeah? Did you even notice he was not playing that piano? Um, he fakes, probably not. He fakes playing the piano pretty bad. It's just, I can't, I don't know how to, to say what I'm doing with uh, my hands. I don't remember if, did they even show his hands touching the they, keys? They show his hands a bunch in the film. Oh. Um, but, uh, I'm just basically moving my hands up and down. Sure. He doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of real, uh, piano playing there. However, they, they did there have, a, have uh, a real pianist on set named Elliot Carpenter. All right. And, um, he was positioned kind of behind a curtain, so he, it would hide him from the cameras. Um, but Dooley could see him. And so he just tried to mimic where, uh, Elliot's hands were as best he could. Oh, wow. During the, during this, the songs. Um, huh. Yeah. Hire a guy who can't even play piano to play a very important pianist in this movie. Well, he sang and, you know. But, I mean, he was also kind of Rick's right-hand man, you know. I kind of yeah. like the, the sort of... Uh, He's almost like Rick's kid, or little well, brother. Well, there was there was more of like a a con going on with those two. You think like so? They were basically an, an inseparable team. Mm-hmm. 
but within you know the the nightly drama of Rick's place they didn't seem to really be all that important to each other at all and yet I would be willing to say that Sam is probably Rick's most trusted friend probably and I I got the feeling that like that Sam was maybe like like I said like a, a kid or a little brother to 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 Rick yeah like especially in the era of um racism and what racism you know how that got people killed right um i got the feeling that sam is probably very protected because he's with rick he's protected and he's untouchable um and i kind of got the feeling that like he was like the kid brother tagging along always and that that sam i mean rick always saw sam as sort of like you know he treats him kind of like a kid brother you know like when they're when they're in um in Paris going to leave and stuff like Sam's the one who's like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. And he's, you know, Rick's just going, rah, 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 rah. yeah, hmm. I don't know. That's, this is the, the vibe I get, but yeah, for sure. Um, they're definitely inseparable. Yeah, I think, I, I think he loves Sam. I think he cares sure. a lot about Sam. Absolutely. But within, you know, if you were to walk into Rick's and sit down and just look around and people watch for the night, they probably seem like, oh, well, there's clearly the guy that owns it, and there's the piano player, and I wonder if they've ever said a word to each other. They keep things very separate. See, you say that, but I think word gets around, in, in especially in Casablanca. I think mm. I think everybody knows that they're close. And again, like I said, like that's, that's Rick's guy. Yeah. You don't mess with Rick's guy. Yeah. There's that. I think there Carl... I think Carl could have been, you know, hurt or killed because, you know, he's a resistance guy. Yeah. Um, I think he's touchable. He's old and, you know, overweight and stuff. But I think Sam would have been untouchable. Interesting. They should make a movie called Playing It Again, Sam. Well, I think they wrote a, somebody wrote up in the 90s, wrote a sequel. Oh, really? To Casablanca. Yeah. They originally were going to make a film sequel because it was this huge success. And uh, they never got it off the ground. Wow. And uh, Probably for the best. And then in the 90s, somebody wrote the sequel story. Wow. I don't remember what it's called. I wonder if it's the same guy. Uh, you know, the, the what is it? The, uh, Orson Welles' uh, uh, Ambersons. What was it? The Magnificent Ambersons? I, I don't know that one. Anyway, somebody completed that in like the late 90s or early 2000s. They made it all new. Mm. version of that because if i'm not mistaken wells had been filming it or, but died before it was complete uh, and it was supposed to be this great big sweeping family drama that was supposed to like you know make uh make citizen kane just look like a hunk of junk and uh as far as i know orson wells's uh you know version of it never saw the light of day and then somebody went and essentially remade it and put it out on dvd and stuff and uh, huh. bruce greenwood's in it and I tried to watch it once, and it's not good. Pretty rough. Okay, it's. I really can't tell you a thing about what it's about, other than just this big rich family in a time when, yeah, you know, there was a great divide between rich and poor in America, and you know, somebody's got one of the first cars driving around. That's fun. Yeah. Anyway, Casablanca. Yeah, there was there was something that I think we kind of kind of missed. It doesn't really matter when we say it, I guess. But what did we um, miss? Renault tells Rick before Strasse gets there that Strasse is coming. Yeah. And he tells them that they're going to make an arrest and that they chose to wait until they until Rick's to make the arrest because yeah, I he thought, thought we that, went over that. Did we? Yeah. That he was going to make the arrest? 
Yeah, that they were coming to arrest Laszlo at Rick's place. No, they're actually not coming to arrest Laszlo. Oh, this is a different arrest. They're coming to arrest a murderer. Right. And they waited for Rick's because um, they thought that, it, well, what Renault says is, we, we think your your guests will will find it amusing. Okay. Um, and they're alluding to the murder of the men on the train who yeah. had the papers. Right. So we kind of know it's going to be got. Ugate. 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 Let's stick with Ugate. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just mixing things up now. Yeah, that's all right. Um, so that's why they're here. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, does Rick help them catch Ugate. Yeah. So Rick, Rick, um, so that actually happens before Laszlo shows up, I believe. Um, I think that's correct. So, um, they go to arrest Ugate. Yeah. And he makes a break for pretends it. Pretends like he's going to go with him, right? And then he makes a break for it, turns around with a gun mm-hmm. at the door and fires his gun into some guards. Ah. And then runs around the bar and he runs into Rick and he's like, you got to hide me. You got to hide me. And Rick's like, I don't stick my neck out for nobody. And uh, and Ugate gets captured yep. and taken in. And then after... Uh, Ilsa and Laszlo show up, a gentleman comes to their table. Which gentleman? A gentleman with a ring who wants to sell them a ring. Oh, yes. And then he flips the ring open to show a little insignia, which is the... the, uh, Like the triple cross thing. Yeah, the symbol for the rebels. Yeah. And and Laszlo tells him, I'll I'll meet you at the bar in a little bit and and talk to you about it. Right. Um, Where the heck are we? So... Uh, Ilsa see Sam all that happens uh, while there's some music going on Lazo's like I'm going to go talk to the guy at the bar and right. she's like be careful so she um, <laughs> be careful so she so he goes over to the bar and talks to the guy and the guy's like hey I'm here to help you with whatever you need I'm I'm here for the resistance. Right. And and Leslie's like, "Hey, I'm I'm here to meet this guy with these papers." And the guy and the resistance guy says, "Unfortunately, Ugate had the papers and yep. he was arrested for murder." Bum, bum, bum. So, um Laszlo's kind of like, hmm, "I don't know what I'm going to do." Fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks. We're how are we going how are we going to get out of Casablanca? Um, in Casablanca. Now, it's also of note that Strasse's, like approach to this whole Laszlo thing. It's very wishy-washy. Well, and it's not to arrest him. It's He does tell him that he needs to come into the police precinct. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you know, do I have to do it now? And they're like, no, you can do it in the morning. His His approach is that we don't want him in France. Right. We don't want him in the United States. We just want him to stay here because he can't really do much damage to our to the Nazi cause if he's stuck in Casablanca. Right. So it's not so much that they're going to arrest him or kill him. It's that they just are going to stall him into staying here. So losing Ugate, Ugate and the papers is a huge blow because it means that they are absolutely stuck in Casablanca. Right. He can't get out no matter what. Right. Um, but those papers aren't exactly lost. Right. But Laszlo don't know that. Laszlo don't know that. So when 
when Rick hears as time goes by, he comes out and he comes over to Sam. And he's he's like, furious. I, I told you never to play. And then he looks up. What know. if right there is where the misquote is? What if he says, I told you never to play it again, Sam? Yeah. I don't think what if it's so. in that sentence? Um, so Sam kind of gestures over and he looks, you know, Rick looks up and sees Elsa. Elsa and he, he sits down and has a conversation with her. Yeah. Um, ha- yeah. They haven't seen each other since Paris. Has a conversation and a drink with uh, Laszlo and uh, Captain Renault. Mm-hmm. And is Strasse the Nazi at the table at the time? I feel like he is. I don't remember if Strazzi? he's there or not. Sure. I feel like he is there. I'm um, pretty sure. Okay. But yeah, because I, 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 I feel like there was even uh, a bit of a mention of from from Strasse sort of like well you know uh oh you can't come out have a drink with me but Laszlo and his woman are here and you'll come you know storming out of your office to have a drink with them he's like well this is a i feel like something like that went you, down you've changed this man yeah happened freaking nazis um frick them all uh so then you know it's discussed that basically Laszlo is stuck in Casablanca, if you can't find these papers, and the Nazis uh, are okay with him being stuck there, they don't quite reveal yet that they're trying to get him to turn over on the other resistance leaders. That happens in the morning meeting, right? Yes, that's the, yeah. next, the next day. But then we cut to Sam's being closed down in the middle of the night, or I mean, Rick's being closed no, down in the middle the of the night. That's the next day. That's next night. No, 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 no. Oh, you mean you mean just in general? Closed. Night number one, it's closed. Rick's still in there having a drink, and Sam comes and is just like, yo, let's get out of town, Rick. He's yeah. like, if she's here, if Elsa's in town, we need to get out because you know bad stuff's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, that, you're talking about the normal closing. It's right. It's closing time and it closes. Yeah. Not it gets closed because that no, happens. No, 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 right, 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 right. The bar is closing down. I'm assuming it's 2 a.m., and Sam is like, let's get out of here. If Ilse is in town, we should not be in town. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, plea from Sam because well, he knows she's that much trouble. And Sam says something to her to the effect of don't break his heart again. I think he does. To, to Ilsa earlier. Um, but yeah, so. Um, and that's when uh, Rick flashes back to uh, their time together in Paris. And, and Rick's just sitting there drinking because by himself in the dark bar because he believes she's going to show up. He's like, she's going to come. I know she will. Right. And Sam's like, well, if you're not going, I guess I'm not going. Yep. So he sits down to play and we get the flashback. Yep. And, uh, Rick Rick and Ilsa are in love in Paris, France. And they fall in love. And Ilsa uh, wears that silky nightgown. She, he, he talks about, you know, is there another guy? And there was, it was her husband, but he's dead. Yep. And, uh, and, um, yeah, they fall in love, and he has a bar there, uh, but they hear on a like a loudspeaker outside, like a right. truck with speakers, um, a relay that the Germans are coming. Yep, um, and they're going to be here like in a day or at night, and uh, and they hear the cannon fire from thirty miles out. Yep, and the truck is also telling them how they should behave for the Germans when they arrive. Yeah, which is horse s. Yeah, so. Um, you know, Rick is going to be in trouble because they know they have a file on him and they know that he was a freedom fighter yep. uh, in those other other places that we talked about earlier. And um, and so, you know, bad news for Rick when they get there. Pretty bad news. So they ultimately decide that maybe we should 
go to Marseille, which is important. I like that. Um, I like that idea. And uh, and they said they're going to take a train to Marseille. And Sam's like, hey, let's get married. Let's get married when we get to Marseille. And Sam says that? I'm sorry, Rick. I always want to call Rick Sam. I understand. Rick says that. Hey, let's get married. Um, <clears throat> so they said, I'm really loud in the microphone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so she's like, oh, that's really fast. He's like, yeah, it's really fast. And then he's like, well, you know, let's just do it on the train then. You know, just do it even sooner. Get and he's married like, on a train. If, you, if, a, if a ship captain can do it, why can't a train engineer do it? That's a fair question. So anyways, they make these plans to get on the train and go to to Marseille. But I feel like something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. It's uh it's pouring rain, right? Yeah. Pouring rain. All these people are rushing to get out of Paris. Yep. And uh Except for one. One person ain't rushing to get out of Paris at all. Yep. And so does Sam bring the letter? Sam brings the letter, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, Sam brings the letter to uh, to Rick, and Rick opens it up, and she basically says, I can't go with you. I can't explain why. Just know that I love you. Yeah. Be safe. Get out. God bless you. God bless you, yeah. Um, Ilsa. No, I think just God bless you, Ilsa. She doesn't even say love Ilsa. Yeah. But I think she tells it. I think she, in there she says she loves him, right? So, I don't want to remember. So... Sam pull, pulls Rick onto the train, basically. As the as the rain starts to wash the ink off the letter, and it's the it's the first it's the moment that we see how Rick becomes the guy who he he is. Yeah. There was a moment early in the film where I I looked I paused the movie and I looked over and I said, "It's amazing how Humphrey Bogart can um, deliver like cutting lines, lines that you remember." But also not give a shit about anything at the same time. Like, yeah. Like, this guy is devoid of, like, any caring. And you, in the flashbacks, you sort of see the opposite of that. You see he's, like, happy and he's laughing and he's passionate and he loves this woman and he's having a good time. And he's, like, very flippant about the Nazis. Like, he's not <laughs> worried about things. Um, and then he gets that letter and he just stands there in the rain and it's the moment that you see the rain basically washes away all of his happiness. The wa- it washes away all of his personality. Sure does. And, uh, and you see that happen on screen and then Sam pulls him on and he gets on when Rick steps backward onto the train, onto yeah. the edge of the train, he gr- crumples the note and he throws it away and that's the end of that life. Sam, mm. I mean, Rick's no longer that that human being anymore. Nope. And so, and then we come back, of course, to um, Casablanca. Rick and Sam in the in the bar, and and Rick's definitely had a lot to drink. Oh yeah. Someone shows up though. Ilsa. Ilsa shows up. She sneaks into the bar at night. Yeah. To talk to Rick. Of Rick's Cafe American. I still agree with Sam. They should have run out of town as soon as they realized Ilsa was there. Yeah, maybe. I don't Take know. it on the run, baby. If that's the way you want it, baby. So, so what happens? What does happen? Um, my notes jump to Laszlo well, meeting with the Nazis the next Ilsa morning. Ilsa wants to talk to him and explain what happened. Yeah. But Rick is sort of so closed off. And he and he kind of is like you know, how many guys were there in between me and this guy? Ooh, like blah 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 blah. That blah, blah. Um, 
you know, he doesn't really want to have anything to do with it. And he, you know, he basically hurts her feelings. He's super drunk. Mm-hmm. He tells her that he saved a drink for her. He was expecting her. Um, and she ends up leaving upset. Um, and then we get the, we get to go to Laszlo and, uh, Ilsa showing up at the police station as the, um, camera goes by in the police station. We see the Bulgarian woman, um, pleading, oh, yes. pleading with an officer. Um, very important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really a side note for the film, but I think it's an important shot. Um, she's pleading that, you know, we don't have very much money. We need to get out, blah, blah, blah. blah. And so mm-hmm. then we see, as the camera keeps going, we see Ilsa and um, Laszlo being let in. They're dressed up nice. Very nice. And they go in to, the, to Renault's office where um, Strasse is, and they have this conversation. And uh, Strasse tells Laszlo that basically we know how important you are to the resistance. Um, so you are either going to rat out the resistance leaders in each individual, you know, city, mm-hmm. because we know you know those names. Certainly you must. Otherwise, why would you be so important? And if you don't rat them out, then, you know, you're just never going to leave Casablanca. How's that sound? Which, yeah. For my money, sounds okay. It's like be a rat to the resistance against, you know, the ultimate evil or be stuck in uh, a fairly nice place with a great bar. I think I wouldn't rat. I think I'd stay in Casablanca. I don't think you're rat, especially if the resistance is that important. But right. also, but there is this thing that I think he knows that even though it's sort of a seemingly okay idea to stay in Casablanca, I think he knows that his time is running out. Like, yeah, the Nazis will try to kill him eventually. The Nazis don't have uh, a great track record of keeping their promises. So, right. um, but yeah, it's interesting when he when he starts naming all the, all these places that. Uh, he probably knows these resistance, resistance fighter names. Yeah. Um, including Germany. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was like 10, 10 different places or something, you know, it was right. a lot. So they, you know, this information could be vital to the Nazi cause. For real. Um, what does Laszlo say? I think he basically says, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about yeah i mean he kind of brushes it off with a bit of the old like uh who me like why would i i don't know i'm just trying to go to america and chill dog yeah and the nazis are like hey bro we know that ain't true dog yeah give us those names but basically they just kind of hit a stalemate in the conversation and they totally just let him walk out with ilsa and toe and everything right so they're playing it real soft, those Nazis. They're playing it pretty soft. And then what happens? Especially for Nazis. Um, in that office. In that very office there, I'm assuming Renault, 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 mm-hmm. and Straza. Gosh, what are they talking about after Laszlo leaves? Not really much of anything. But something does happen. A, a French policeman comes into the room and says, there's somebody who is trying to get out of the country and they need to speak to you. Yeah. A young woman. The Bulgarian woman. The Bulgarian woman. And yeah. He, and he goes over to the mirror and straightens up his tie to look very presentable for this woman. And he says, show her in. Actually, Ooh. I don't think they say it's a woman. I think the, the policeman just says, somebody's here. They, they need to speak to you about trying to get out. And he says, show her in. Right. And the assumption is, if there's ever a pretty girl that's wanting to get out, Bring her to me because I'm going to do something to her. Laszlo's going to... Uh, not Laszlo. No, not Laszlo. Renault. Uh, Renault, captain of the police force, is going to uh, 
Take his pound of flesh. Yep. Exactly. That sick mustachioed creep. Yep. We go back to Rick's, right? We go back to Rick's, and the Bulgarian girl is at Rick's, Mm -hmm. and she is begging Rick himself for help about getting out of Casablanca with her husband, her newlywed husband. And Rick makes a comment uh, about her uh, being underage, too young to be in Rick's, so I guess it's safe to assume that she's maybe only like 19-ish or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, She's crying to Rick, saying, have you ever done something so horrible for somebody you love, blah, blah, blah. Basically saying, look, I shagged Renault. I don't think she shagged him yet. You don't think so? No, because, uh, well, let's go through the whole thing and then I'll explain why I don't think she has yet. I think she I, has. Think, I think she's saying, she's asking him, because she asks him, would you ever forgive her? And I think she's trying to make the decision about whether or not she's oh, going to do that. Oh, okay. Some freaking sirens Yeah, outside. they're right out that window there. Oops. They're leaving. There they go. Um... I think at first I thought that too, um, but so he he's like, "Where's your husband?" And, oh, he's playing your roulette wheel or whatever. Blah yeah. blah blah. So um, Rick goes into the roulette room, and he he kind of nods at Emil, who's the croupier, right? And he leans over uh, the young man's shoulder, and he's like, "The guy's like done. He's, he doesn't have much money left." And he's like, "Have you played twenty two yet?" And uh, and he's like he reiterates like you should play twenty two yeah or whatever basically so the guy puts his money on twenty two and of course it wins of course and he gets all this money he's like super excited and starts to pull it away and Rick's like no 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 leave it there right so he puts it back on twenty two and twenty two wins again and he's got all this money which is an insane cheating plan yeah and he says get your get your chips cash out never come back yeah. Run away with your and of course, sexy Bulgarian the guy's wife. Like, thank you. And the, and the wife's like, knows what's up. And she's like, thank you so much. Now, what's important to note they is... They are really bad at getting out of there without drawing plenty of attention yeah, to themselves. It's true. Um, Renault is there, and he's watching this happen. He's yeah. watching the guy win the money. And you can see how crestfallen he is. And then he goes and congratulates them sort of reluctantly. And he's like, come see me in the morning. And I think the idea is... Because they won the money, now she doesn't have to betray her husband. Right. And Renault doesn't doesn't have to, or doesn't get Get to. Yeah. So I don't think she, when she's having a conversation with Rick, I don't think she slept with with Renault yet. Yeah. Don't they even hand him some money right there in that moment? They try to, and he says, no, 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 in my my office in the morning. They say, we'll be there at six. Yeah. And he says, I'll be there at 10. Yeah. Like, get some sleep. Yeah. This is Casablanca. You want to sleep in a little. Um. We're all up gambling all night, every night. Yep. Is this when the song war happens? Well, uh, Laszlo wants to speak to um, uh, Rick because there's a rumor going around. So that's I think we missed Rick, or I think we missed um, both Rick going to Ferrari's place, the Blue Parrot, that during the next day, and they have a conversation. Uh, Ferrari wanted to see Rick because he suspects that Ugate gave Rick the papers. And Ferrari says, you know, I actually have a buyer. And and Rick's like, hey, you know, you've been shorting me cartons of cigarettes and all this stuff. And and um, and Ugate's like, well, I have a buyer. And Rick's like, he's like, I'll facilitate it all. And he's like, yeah, for a fee, right? right. Like a, a service charge, which is how um, Ferrari sort of brushes off the fact that he owes Rick something uh-huh. that he's been shorting him. Um, 
anyways, Rick's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have the papers or whatever. And so he leaves. And on his way out, Laszlo's coming in. Yeah. Um, Laszlo talks to um, uh, Ferrari. Ferrari. And Ferrari's like, here's the thing. I don't have the papers. I suspect I know where they are. It won't do me any good business-wise to tell you this. But Rick, I think Rick has those papers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't remember this scene at all. Ilsa and and you didn't fall asleep either. And I didn't fall asleep. Ilsa, so so Ilsa and Laszlo know. Ow! You keep bumping that mic with your head. That time I bumped it with my headphones. Oh, so, um, so when Laszlo and Ilsa show up this evening, yeah, um, Laszlo's like, I'm going to go talk to Rick. So he goes and asks Rick if they can go speak in private. They go up to his office. Yeah, office maybe slash room. Office maybe slash. Room. So they have this conversation, and he's like, "I gotta, I gotta get out. I think you have the papers." And Rick's like, "I can't help you. I don't know. I don't know what you want." And yep. and Laszlo's like, "Do it for Ilsa. Ooh. Do it for her. I gotta get at least her out. Do it for her." Ooh. And Rick's like, "Sorry, can't help you. There's nothing in it for me. I don't want to help." Blah blah blah. Right. Um. And. uh that's when the Germans have arrived already, and yeah. they go over to the piano, and they start singing this loud, boisterous German song. Yup. I don't know which song it was, and I don't care to know. Some sort of pro-Nazi song. And it upsets everybody in the bar. Yeah, and Laszlo comes out from his reading, his reading with Mick, from his meeting with Rick, mm-hmm. and he notices that these Nazis... There's what, maybe six or seven of them? Yeah. And they kicked Sam off his piano, and they're playing their hateful, imperialistic music, and Laszlo goes over to the rest of the band. Well, yeah, he and Rick come out. Yeah. And he he asks the band what? To play, uh, what's that French song? Marseille, yes. Which is the city that that Rick was supposed to go to. So, that song, right? The band, yeah, the band looks up to Rick. Yep. And Rick nods. And that's interesting because um, that nod wasn't there originally. They, um, oh, really? They called hum- Humphrey Bogart into the studio to just come in and do the nod. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He didn't even know what he was doing it for at the time. Whoa. So, um, so he gives him the nod and they start playing and there's a little bit of a battle, as you say. The war, a song the fight. And uh, everybody in the bar stands up and sings the Marseille. Yeah. Except for the Germans, of course. And the Germans are completely drowned out and, and pissed off by it. Um, so that scene, I think, is, is an interesting one. Um, a lot of the actors in that crowd yeah. were refugees from France. Oh, really? And... You might remember many of them get emotional. They show a close-up of Yvonne. Yeah. And she's crying. Um, The actors were so overwhelmed with what they were doing at the time. Cool. uh, With emotions that they they, they got very emotional during the scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, it's a really great scene. Um, Now, the actors uh, who played Yvonne and Emile the croupier were actually married at the time. And they had just escaped the Nazis. Wow. Prior to filming this. In real life. In real life, which is probably why she's crying in the That's incredible. Music. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. 
I think that's how you say incredible in French. Incredible. I don't know. I don't speak French. I learned it from The Simpsons. Cool. Okay. They have a song fight, and so fortunately, Marseille wins out over that German Nazi song. So, the, so Strasse does what? I've lost my place in my notes. No. Oh, Strasse goes to Renault, mm-hmm. and he basically says, I've had it. I will not put up with this kind of uh, resistance. You shut this place down tonight. Now. And Renault says. I don't have a reason. Into his whistle. Well, at first he's like, I don't have a reason. And, oh, does Strasse give Strasse, him a reason? Strasse says, find a reason. Oh, that's it? All right. Well, so, because. Well, the reason I bring it up is because the reason he finds is. Quite silly. Quite silly and humorous. R- uh, Renault blows his whistle. All of his men stand at attention. He says, shut this place down. Everybody has to go home. Everybody has to go home. Rick's Cafe American is closed. Until further notice. Until further notice. And Bogey comes over and says, Bah, geez, what's a big idea, kid? And Renault says, kind of a James We have discovered gambling on the premises. I'm shocked to discover gambling on yeah. the premises. Yeah. And then right then, somebody else Emile. runs up to Renault. Emil runs up to N- Renault and says, Your winnings for tonight, sir. And hands him a big stack of cash. And Renault accepts it and pockets it in front of everybody. Yeah. So Rick's is shut down for the night. Catastrophe. So, in a way, the Nazis won the evening. Yeah. Those jerks. So, they shut it all down. Yep. Um, Ilsa shows up. Well, Ilsa. In the middle of the night. Ilsa and Laszlo go back to their hotel, and he's being followed. And they yeah. turn off the lights and all this stuff. And and um, Laszlo says, or she says. Ilsa says to Laszlo, "Don't go to the meeting, the resistance meeting tonight." He's right. Like, he's like, "I kind of have to now." So she's, she's like, please be careful. So he leaves and she makes sure, you know, he, he's gone. And then she grabs her coat and leaves. Um, so Rick gets everything shut down. Um, pretty much everybody is gone. Carl's, uh, no, Carl's, Carl's gone at that point. I think it's just Rick in the, in the place. And he's locking everything up and he goes up into his office room. Yeah. And, and that's when he sees Ilsa. Waiting in the moonlight. Waiting, yep. Ilsa. It's pretty kinky. They have a big kinky conversation. Yeah. About how in love they are. But really, Ilsa is demanding that Rick hand over a letter so that she can get Laszlo and herself out of Casablanca. Yep. And while she's up there demanding it and they're having, you know, a bit of this uh, ex-lovers quarrel thing going on, we hear Carl return to Rick's cafe, and he's got Laszlo with him. Yeah, now, Ilsa even tries to get those papers at gunpoint. She does, that's right. And he takes the gun from her, it's clear. And, and, um, is this, is this where she tells him that she, this isn't where she tells him she still loves him. I think it must be. Well, is there an, where I else think, would it happen? I think there's another scene because I think she's trying to con him in this moment here. Well, um, that's a really good question. Where they like hug and kiss each other, and she, Ooh, yeah, she explains. I can't remember. No, this is where she explains who Laszlo is. Okay, that, that he's her husband. I think there's another scene with them later on. So, but it could only be like at the airport then. 
I'm pretty sure it's got to happen in this scene. Is this where he tells Laszlo that he's going to give him the papers? Uh, not exactly. Because her scene is right before that happens. Her scene where... Okay, yeah, so then he hears Carl and Laszlo show up downstairs I think you're right. I, cafe. Think, I think it's the scene. So and Laszlo's and wrapping kiss. his arm. They kiss each other. They probably kiss. And she's like, I love him. I love you. And then she's told him at this point that he was her husband. Yeah. And she explains the story about um, he was a POW. Right. She thought he was indeed dead. He was dead. in a concentration camp. And then the day she was supposed to run away with Rick on the train is the day he showed up. Yeah. And that's when Carl and Laszlo show up. Right. Um, Having run away from the resistance meeting that got raided by the Nazis. And she's not sure what she's supposed to do. She's like, he tells her that he has the papers. Yeah. Um, And she's like, you know, do I try and run away with him? Do I stay here with him? Do I run away with you? And he's kind of like, we could use the papers for ourselves. Yeah, it's true. So, um, Laszlo and Carl show up. Uh, Carl's been injured from, no, Laszlo's been injured from the... The resistance meeting that was yeah, broken he keeps, up and he keeps they wrapping got away a buried. dish towel around his arm in different ways. Yeah. There's um, never any blood on it. So, uh, yeah, there isn't any blood on it. Um, uh, Rick says to Carl, hey, Sasha forgot to turn on the light back here. Can you come up and deal with it? Right. And so Carl comes up and he sees Ilsa and he's like, get her home safely. Yeah. And so Carl takes her home. That's that other scene. Get her home. I'm Humphrey Bogart, see? So, um, he goes down and has this conversation with Laszlo. And, uh, and he tells Laszlo, I have the papers. Right? Is this where he tells him? I think this must be. It's either here or he tells him in the, in the jail. Because he does have a conversation. We don't see the jail. Oh, yeah, maybe it's in the jail. Because the cops show up. This very night, and they arrest Laszlo right there in Rick's bar. They do. I think we should just kind of move forward. Yeah. I'm a little lost. Got to be honest, Vusters. I'm, I'm out of practice. They arrest Laszlo right there in Rick's bar that very night. They take him away. Yeah. Then Rick goes to visit... Uh, or Rick, Rick talks to Renault. Yeah, Renault's office. And he offers to set Laszlo up and get him busted so that Rick himself can escape with Ilsa. That's when he reveals he has the papers. Yes. Um, and Renault's like, why would you, why do you care? He's like, but you gotta, you gotta release him. He's like, why would you care about that? And he's like, I gotta make sure I've got assurances for myself and all this other stuff. And you know, you, this is the guy you want and I can set him up and you can arrest him for reals. Right. And get a real charge on him. Um, it's getting very dark in here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you can arrest him on a real charge. And uh, and really be able to imprison him, but right now you got nothing. You're gonna have to release him eventually. Right. Um, so days and a slap on the wrist. So Renault's like, you know, all right, go talk to him. So yeah. he goes and talks to him. Um, after that, he goes to the, back to the blue parrot. Right. And he uh, makes a deal with Ferrari with Ferrari to sell Rick's cafe. Right. And to let. Ferrari have Sam. Yeah, well, he's everybody stays. Sasha, Carl, and Sam. And he's like, it wouldn't be Rick's without those people. Right. And he mentions uh, that Sam gets 25% of the 
of of the profits at Rick's. Yeah. And Ferrari says, uh, I know you only pay him 10, but he's worth 25, so fine, or something like yeah. that. Um, and instead of drawing it up on paper, they do it by handshake. Right. They make a point of showing that. Um, I'm not really sure if uh, Rick's going to renege on that. We don't know for sure, but the, deal. the way the movie ends, it sort of seems like he might. Like he might. So, um... Pants Donkey is now following me. What's up, Pants Donkey? <laughs> so, uh... We... He goes back to... The bar, right? The bar? Yeah, he's, he's supposed to meet Renault at the bar to arrest, um, Laszlo. Yeah. So... Laszlo shows up. Um, is Ilsa there, or is Ilsa supposed to meet them? Who boy, Ilsa's there, right? Man, everything gets super. My next note is just Rick plays everybody. Yeah, because um, it's basically Renault's, Renault's already there at the bar when Rick gets there. Laszlo shows up, and Rick pulls a gun on Renault. On Renault, yes. Then he gets. Laszlo and In- Ingrid in Ilsa yeah. to the airport yes. with Renault, still with a gun, quote-unquote, yeah. on Renault. Gets them to the airport. Makes. Renault fakes a phone call. And says. To the airport. The papers, blah, 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 at the airport. Right, but he's actually calling Strasse yep. to say, bring the Nazis to the airport. The papers are going to be there. You can bust these fools. He says it, you know, in code. He pretends he's talking to the tower. I've got, right. We need it. We need clearance because we have people with papers here at the airport. Right. So Rick gets them to. He gets Ilsa and Laszlo to the airport. He gets them on the plane. He's still got Renault at gunpoint. Well, before he, I mean, he doesn't get him on the plane. He, he says, "Have your guy, have your monkey, take the bags to the." Have your monkey. Yeah, well, you know, he says, he refers get... to Laszlo as the monkey? No, the, the, Renault's, oh, Renault's got Renault's a driver. Guys. Yeah. Renault's got a police officer driver. He says, have them take him to, take their bags up to the plane. You sign their names onto the letter so it looks legit. Oh, yeah. And I think Laszlo goes to get help with the bags. And Ilsa stays behind and he has the conversation with Ilsa. That sounds And that's when right. he realizes, and that's the when old... she realizes that the names are, He's like, I'm not going with you. Right. Like you, you and you and Laszlo, you and Laszlo belong together. Problems of three people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy mixed up world and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's basically, you know, he's saying goodbye. He's saying, "Look, this is how much I love you. I'm getting you and your actual husband out of here." Yeah. Because uh, you know, you already broke my heart once. I'm not about to let it happen again. And Ilsa. He does the whole, we'll always have Paris. He's looking at you, kid. He's at you. Now, so here's looking at you, kid. All that jazz. Um, that was, so the, in the Paris scene is the first time he says it. He says it three or four times in the film. Yeah. Um, it was improvised by Humphrey Bogart. Was it? It was. Um, now, it was also rumored that Ingrid, Ingrid Bergman um, played poker with the cast and crew on set. Oh, yeah. And they were like in their downtimes waiting for stuff to happen. All right. And she was still learning English and that um, Humphrey Bogart kind of added that into her poker playing. Like, oh. You know, when you're ra- seeing raises and whatnot. He's All right. You kid or winning a hand. That's cute. Yeah. Um, and when filming started, the script wasn't finished. So 
uh, Ingrid Bergman didn't know who she was going to end up with at the oh, end wow. of the film. Um, the studio, for the most of the filming, told her to sort of play it in between. Play it as if you could end up with either of these people. Huh. I mean, it worked. It worked really well for that to happen. I do agree. Um, so in this airport scene, there's a, an airplane in the background, and there's people working on it. Did you notice anything weird about that? It's extremely foggy. It is foggy. And, um... But that's just, you know... What else is there to notice? There was that weird phone that was, like, built into a weird little house. Well, that airplane... That airplane? Yeah, they, they weren't allowed to film at an airport after dark because it was wartime. Interesting. So they had to film um, some of the airplane stuff on a soundstage. So they use force perspective. Oh, yeah? And that airplane is a cardboard cutout. Really? And they use little people in flight crew outfits to be the crew out by the plane. I didn't notice this at all. That's wonderful. Yeah, isn't it great? That is great. And you don't notice it. Once you know it and you go back and watch it, wow. you'll be like, oh, yeah, that is cardboard. Um, That's it, funny. Yeah, but it looks really great. So, um, so yeah, so uh, Rick gets them on the plane. They yep. go off together. Uh, the plane takes off just as Strasse gets there. It is pretty sweet roadster yeah he's got a really nice roadster that he pulls up in and he runs to use the phone to to tell people basically shoot the plane out of the sky i think yeah and rick is like i was wasn't afraid to shoot well here's the thing but i'm not and i'm not afraid to shoot you rick says you know that and then straza turns and picks up the phone and starts to say words into it and rick still hasn't shot him he yeah. gives him one more warning. Yeah. And then shoots him. The dude's a Nazi. And Strasse takes you out. You take a, him out. Well, Strasse takes out a gun and turns uh, to shoot Rick as well. But Rick gets the drop on him, thankfully. Rick, Rick shot first. He did shoot first, and he should have shot as soon as Strasse turned and ran for the phone. He should have shot him in his Nazi back, as far as I'm concerned. I think Rick, Yeah, I said it. I think Rick was. His plan was to go to a concentration camp. Really? Which is why he made the arrangement with. Um. Yeah, they kind of they kind of address that. She's like, Ilsa sort of like alludes to this idea that like he's going to be captured. Yeah, and terrible things will happen to him. So I got the feeling that Rick's going to a concentration camp. He th- he knows that that's what's going to. He's like, you don't need to worry about me. And that's why he set everything up for Sam and Carl and Sasha and gave the bar to to um, Ferrari. Ferrari. So um, he I don't think he ever had the intention to shoot Renault. He knew that he just needed to get them out and that oh. he would he, – his deal was he was going to go to a concentration camp. So I don't think that's – I think that's why he wasn't going to shoot Strasse. Yeah, okay. Because he shoots him, then he's in trouble. Real trouble. Real-ish that's, trouble. That's not trying to survive in a concentration camp. That's going to get strung up in the town square. But fortunately, the only witness to that shooting was – Renault. Captain Renault, the kind of creepy guy, but who's ultimately a good guy. So Renault, um, you know, his pe- his men show up, and he's like, "Oh, the Strasse has been shot." Yeah, what does he say? Round up the usual suspects. Round up the usual suspects, and that's when uh, he he gets a partnership with uh, Rick. Right, They're they basically agree. We are going to resist these Nazis. From right here in Casablanca. Yeah. And he picks up the bottle of water. Yeah. And then he throws it in the trash. Because it's Vichy water. Because it's Vichy water. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be under this Nazi Vichy control. Nice. Way um, to go, Renault. Yeah. 
Um, and then they walk off into the fog together, and Bogart says another really famous line. We'll go over all the famous lines in a This moment. looks like the beginning yeah. of a beautiful bromance. Now, um... So he says bromance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right? He definitely says bromance. Yeah. So, uh, the director... That Curtis? Was, yep, Curtis. He was, uh, he was from Hungary, and he had this super thick accent. And, uh, scenes like that where they needed, you know, fog and wet stuff and whatever. Um... He got really... He confused the, the crew. Oh. He asked the prop master, I need a poodle <laughs> on set. And the prop master is really confused. Um, he left, mm-hmm. went and got a dog, a, a poodle. A poodle dog. Makes sense to you and me. Made them wait to shoot. Wow. Brought it back, and Curtis was like, a poodle, a poodle, a poodle of water. Wow. So... um uh, just kind of a fun note. Why did he need a puddle of water? Well, I think the I think it was supposed to be wet at the airport. Yeah, and, I feel uh, like they foggy. didn't even show the ground at all, though. Yeah, probably not. But you know, light. And, you, need know, the you know how people are. Sure. Um, and the movie was supposed to be released in June of 1943. All right. But um, Allies landed in North Africa, Casablanca, in November of 1942. Aha! Uh-huh. So the studio premiered it on Thanksgiving Day. Oh. In New York. And then about seven months, um, which is about seven months earlier than it was supposed to be released. Yeah. The general release was um, in January of 1943. Cool. So so it was about six months. Um, Did you notice anything weird with shadows on the walls and things? Now, the only real shadow thing that I noticed was the really cool scene when Rick, I think, think he's being followed through the cafe pretty early by carl Mm -hmm. they go up that stairs through that door and then rick steps out of the frame but his shadow can be seen opening the vault and doing some stuff yeah that was pretty awesome and then there was another really cool shadow moment where i think it was laszlo and ilsa were at their table and the shadow of somebody's head just shows up kind of right over them yeah and then the camera turns and it's renault waiting to sit down and talk to them um, what else was, was, was well, going so, on with the so shadows? Shadows and lines were really important to the film and sort sure. of how they like set up the distance and, and everything um, and, and how dark the film is in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple moments I can think of where the thing I'm about to explain happens. Um, some of the shadows were painted onto set. Really? Yeah, they weren't real shadows. Um, That's when, pretty cool. When they go to the window... Laszlo and Ilsa go to the window to see that they've been followed at their go hotel the room. Window, yeah. There's a, a shadow on a wall, and as they're there, they go to the window. They should cast a shadow on the wall too, but they actually don't, huh? Um, because that shadow was painted on, um, probably because they couldn't get, they didn't have the room for the lighting, yeah, that they wanted to have. So, um, but and still be able to, you know, show their faces and stuff. Sure. So, um, Casablanca, this film, had six quotes on American Film Institute's list of top movie quotes, more than any other film on the list. I think Gone wow. with the Wind had three. That was the second place. Wow. Um, the, the quotes with... Hang their... on, let me try to guess. Okay. Well, let's start with number 67. This is number 67 on the whole list. On the whole list of 100, 100 So, this is the sixth quotes. most popular quote from Casablanca. Yeah. It's gotta be... Number 67 of the Casablanca. Okay. That's got to be 
Play it again, Sam. Play as time goes by. Or play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Nope. That's number 28. That's number 28. All right. Then number 67 has got to be, uh, here's looking at you, kid. That would be number five, the highest ranked one. The number six. Okay. Then I'm stumped. 67 is, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the worlds, he walks into mine. How could I forget that one? We didn't even mention it the whole time. Oh, man. Number 43. Number 43 has got to be, here's looking at you, kid. No. I already said that's number got to be. uh, Number 43 has got to be. Uh, get your damn hands off of me, you dirty ape. Nope. It was, we'll always have Paris. Oh, we'll always have Paris. Number 32. Number 32 has got to be, uh, no, I am your father. Close. Round up the usual suspects. Round up the usual suspects. 28. I said what I said. 28. We already went over. That one is, uh, 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 play it. Mm Mm-hmm. Sam, play as time goes by. That's the one. Is that the exact quote? That's the exact quote. So never the line again is never in there. Play it, Sam. Play it, Sam. Play, play as time, as time goes, by. goes by. Number 20. Number 20. On the list. Number 20. Quote from Casablanca. And not one of the others that we've already discussed. It's gotta be... Uh, this looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Louis? Remember I said his name was Louis, and you were like, who's Louis? And I said, Renault. It's Louis Renault. Louis, I think this... I always thought it was, this looks like the beginning. So it's Louis, Louis this I, is the beginning. I Louis, think this I is. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And then number Louis. five was... Was, uh... uh we're going to need a bigger boat. Here's looking at you. Here's yeah. looking at you, Jaws. Yep. Um, I do have one other uh, factoid that is going to shock and appall you. Okay. Shock had... and appall they you. They didn't have to kill an animal in this movie, did they? No. In okay, the good. early 2000s. Early 2000s. Somebody wanted to remake this film. Of course they did. Do you know who that somebody is? Shocking and appalling? It's... It's... It's a horrific idea to me. Brett Ratner. No, no, no. I think uh, somebody wanted to be an actress. Oh, in, this film. in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. Madonna. Madonna wanted to remake this film wow. and play Ilsa. And then instead she remade, uh, what was that? Uh, the Guy Ritchie one? She wanted, to, but here's where it gets worse. She wanted Ashton Kutcher to play Rick. Ashton Kutcher as Rick and Madonna as Ilsa. I told you. Horrific and appalling. Horrific. I'm going to go get the bucket while you're just... Stall for time. I'm shocked. Um, Shocked and appalled? Look, Madonna, wonderful entertainer. She used to be. Pops, ah! Pop songstress. Wonderful humanitarian, I'm assuming. Ashton Kutcher, swell guy. Has done some really great work in his career. Madonna and Ashton Kutcher in a remake of Casablanca is... Something that I simply don't want to see. Shocking and appalling. Wowzers. But uh, yeah, what was that? Didn't she do a a remake? Uh, What was that called? Swept Swept Away away or something? Wasn't that a remake? Yeah, it was a remake remake of something. It was a remake of uh, Swept from the Sea, right? I don't know. What was that? The one where they make out on the beach. I know what you're talking about. I've never seen it. I don't want to watch it. wave comes rolling in. All right. And we are living in a Swept Away remake. And I am a swept away girl. So you're potentially drawing. I mean, you're drawing for uh, 
You and a guest. M- myself and a guest. Or um, possibly me. You, you want to come back next week? Look, if I can manage it, I want to. My point is I'm getting extremely busy, so I can't exactly guarantee it just All yet. All right, well, let's see what you draw. I'm digging deep, dog. Uh, hey, now that we're only doing one movie a week, what happens when you draw Hodorowsky's Dune? Are we still doing the double feature? I th- yeah, yeah. On we that should. One? Yeah, we absolutely okay. should. We've talked it up so much. Oh, my God. Pick one. I'm, I'm, I told you I'm digging deep. I want to really churn these titles up. You got one. You got got one. It is not. Let me see. Let me see it. It is not. Let me see it. Know then that it is the year 10191. I don't know what you're talking about. On the planet Arrakis. Dune Hodorowsky's Dune. So we got to do, you got to do the next one then. This is the ultimate Christmas gift. (laughs) What? Related. Are you saying that the Christmas gift I got you was not? It's totally rad. But I'm saying <laughs> the fact that I just pulled this out of the bucket yeah. is making my heart smile. It means you're supposed to do the next so episode. So intensely. It does. And it, it also means I'm supposed to I'm supposed to finally pull the trigger on the fact that both of these movies have been in my Amazon cart for about a month now. And I just keep not quite buying them. But you want to know what else is in that cart? Not only do I have Hodorowsky's Dune in my cart. I have Dune on DVD in my cart on Amazon.com. However, it's a four-pack DVD. Uh, it's Dune combined with Flash Gordon oh, you, you and Flash The Gordon. Last Starfighter. Oh, wow. And I think maybe the kickoff episode of 1978-79 Battlestar Galactica. Weird. And I'm just like, I saw that available, and I was like, how could I not buy that? Yes, I already own Flash Gordon. I need to own The Last Starfighter and Dune. Yeah. And sure, I'll go for some Galactica as well. I've got Last Starfighter. I keep running into Richard Hatch, by the way. That's weird. So uh, It's not that weird. So it's very sexy. Um, Hodorowsky's Dune and Dune, Frank Herbert, 1984. So we're going to have to find a way to watch those two movies <sighs> and record next week. All right. Well, then I'm going to pull the trigger on the Amazon purchase tonight. So you're, so you're, you're actually – so we announced this new thing and yeah. you're actually going to be in the next – you're going to be in the first three. I'm already, <laughs> I'm already breaking the rules. Yeah, that's all right. For this one, I think you – well, so we'll have this and then you'll have one more episode and then we'll get to our guest. Sounds good. Sound good? I'm so excited for you to watch this, dude. All right. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been jonesing to watch both of these movies. Yeah. And now I get to watch them with you. This is going to be great. I'm excited for you. Actually, you know, um, I'm excited because one of the producers from Hodorowsky's Dune follows us on Twitter. That's true. He does. And uh, so I'm I'm, I'm also produced uh, Starry Night. And or sorry, eyes. Starry eyes. And he, uh, yeah, I think they just, I think they just wrapped their twentieth film with their production company. Whoa, really? Yeah. So they're they're legit. They're for reals. Um, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Of course, the name is completely escaping me right now. Travis. Travis. Let's hmm. give them a let's give them a big uh, shout out right now. Okay. Go for it. Viewsters, use your Twitter. And follow Travis Stevens. Travis Stevens. Yep. Uh, producer of A Horrible Way to Die, Hodorowski's Dune, Big Ass Spider, American Muscle, Cheap Thrills, Starry Eyes, which is one of my new favorites. Yeah. We Are Still Here, Concrete Futuro, Teenage Cocktail, and Double X. Have, you seen, to, uh, have you seen Cheap Thrills? 
I have not. With Pat Healy? It oh, wait. No, excellent. I have not. I love Pat Healy, but I remember it's, not seeing that movie. In, it's, um, it's kind of a, a movie that you've seen the kind of rough plot for multiple times. Okay. But they do it really, really well. It's um about a guy who's like down on his luck and meets some people, you know, he needs money and they yeah. basically they bring him back to like quote unquote party and uh they pay him to do stuff. Kind of like the idea of like bum fights, right? Like yeah. or like the guy in New York just recently like got paid $5 to pour a cup of coffee on his head. Um it's kind of like that and as the movie goes on, everything escalates to bigger and crazier things. Nice. Um cheap thrills very fun film. Uh, Pat Healy, as always, is excellent in it. Um, I highly recommend uh, you guys check out Cheap Thrills. I like that. Maybe I'll should throw it in it our bucket. Too. I almost want to just watch it faster than the bucket might let yeah, me watch it. Yeah, it's true. Because I love Pat Healy. Yeah, he's great in it. He was great in Starry Eyes. Yeah. And uh, uh, Compliance. Did you ever see Compliance? Compliance. It's based on the true story of this dude who called a fast food restaurant and said that I some really cute employee there had like stolen money from him and that the yeah, I manager to I needs I to it. like strip search her and stuff in the office. Yeah. And this dunderheaded manager just totally goes along with this guy on the phone yeah. just because he said he was a cop. It's so intense and creepy and weird and based on a true story. Yeah. It's nuts. He's great. All right. So um, next week, next week, you guys, once a week. Next week, we're actually going to have a double feature. Nice. So that's really interesting. So we're just breaking rules left and right. Yeah, we're starting the year off with some surprises, and then we're surprising ourselves by uh, having to break these rules. And Thanks know, to and Hodorowski's Dune yeah. and Frank Herbert's Dune. And I know and I know that this episode was a little long um, for what our new thing is going to be. It's <laughs> We're still at about two hours right now, um, but we were just getting back. We had a lot to talk about, so um, they will get a little bit shorter as well. So... Um, Thank you to all the viewers. Thank you to Dwayne for another fantastic intro. Uh, thanks to Travis Stevens for following us and making some really cool kick-ass movies. Um, who else should I thank? Thanks to uh, just everyone. I'm just so happy to be back. Me too, man. It's Welcome great. to 2016, viewers. 2016 is going to be a good year for movies. Hey, Wes. Hey. You just recorded the first episode of View the Right Thing 2016. What are you going to do about it? Well, tomorrow I'm going to go to Disneyland. Yeah. Perfectly played. All right, everybody. Watch Dune and Hodorowski's Dune, you lucky so-and-sos. All right. Have a good night or day or whatever. It's night for us. (laughs) 